When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks so much for listening. This episode of the podcast will feature an interview with Washington Post sports media reporter Ben Strauss. We cover the sports media news of the week, including the sale of Sports Illustrated. Uh, we've been up for sale for a long time. This week, the sale finally happened, and Ben and I got into a little bit of the sale, the new owners, and the future of Sports Illustrated. So if you're interested in that, we've got you covered for that. Big discussion on Stephen A. Smith and his growing presence on all ESPN platforms and and basically ESPN trashing, well, it, l- let me rephrase that, ESPN throwing their own Baxter Holmes under the bus to prop up Stephen A. Smith with the Magic Johnson story. Uh, we talked about Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson about to call the NBA Finals. And uh, we talked about ESPN President Jimmy Pataro and his continued statements that ESPN is not in the business of covering politics, which they never were. So I don't understand those statements. So we cover all that, uh, me and Ben Strauss, sports media reporter from The Washington Post. Before we get you to that interview, let me just quickly tell you, if you have not listened uh, to past episodes last week, Chris Long newly retired from the Eagles, two-time Super Bowl champion, was on the podcast. He ended up going on the Dan Patrick Show the next day, and, and he talked about um, wanting to decriminalize marijuana, and it became a big story. And On the podcast last week, Chris talked about how he was always baked when he watched Game of Thrones, so I don't know. I guess it was a big revelation that uh, Chris Long smokes weed, but he mentioned that on my podcast too, so give me some attention. No, I'm not kidding. Um, so Chris Long last week, he was great, especially if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Two weeks ago, Chad Finn, Brian Curtis 
from The Ringer, Brian Curtis wrote a great story about Howard Stern's popularity among sports broadcasters. So if you're a Stern fan, listen to that. And Mike Breen, who will call the NBA Finals for the 14th year in a row, was on this podcast three weeks ago. So um, check all those out in the archives. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. It's a big, big help and would make me very happy. And now, hopefully, this makes you very happy. A little sports media news discussion with Ben Strauss of The Washington Post. All right, joining me now, second time on the SI Media Podcast. He was a hit the first time, so we brought him back. Washington Post sports media reporter, Ben Strauss. Ben, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, sir. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It, it's a little bizarre for me because I wanted to do a sort of roundtable this week, get some sports media reporters on. Full disclosure, we were supposed to tape on Wednesday. We had a little debacle, so we're taping on Thursday. Lost Andrew Marshan in the process, which is fine. He's been on a million times. Um, but I was like, do I really want to do a sports media news sort of roundtable podcast when the biggest sports media news of the week is SI being sold? which, you know, I don't want to skirt the issue since this is a media podcast. And you actually wrote one of the breaking stories, I guess, on uh, Memorial Day night about it. Um, And you spoke to the... So ABG is now one of the owners of SI. um, And you spoke to the head of ABG, I think, for for that column. Yeah, is that your new boss, Jamie Salter? I think I have multiple bosses. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, 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 I think I have multiple bosses, and which is fine because that means I have a job. So I, I don't care if I have 500 bosses as long as I'm getting a paycheck and still working at SI, and that seems to be the case. So I know there's been a lot of like articles about the partnership, and some people think it's weird, and some people don't get it. But I have a job, so it's really what I care about. I just want to know when is this going to be the authentic brands group podcast? Well, I mean the authentic brands group Meredith sports illustrated media podcast <laughs> <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Just comes right. Yeah. ABG SIM media. I don't know. There's it's a lot of names. So I have a feeling we'll stick with SI. So, uh, well, what did you make of the news of the sale as a media reporter? I mean, I don't think there's any question that it is uh, unique, to say the least, right? right, right. Uh, Meredith, for a couple of years now, has been trying to sell SI, and it seemed like they didn't get the price that they wanted to offload it, mm-hmm. and the best they could get was this $110 million from, what is it, in effect, like a licensing marketing company. Right. And so... Um, I guess, you know, one takeaway is, you know, for a legacy magazine, the way to make money off of the magazine is in every way except the magazine, because somebody paid $110 million for SI and and didn't want the magazine. They just wanted the name um, SI, which is, you know, as as far as I know, a pretty new... uh, a new idea, um, right. a new construction, at least in, in media. And I guess to me, what's, what's most interesting is sort of what happens in two years, because Meredith is going to run the website and the editorial for, for two years. Um, and then I guess sort of what happens at the end of two years, right? Does Meredith want to walk away from it? Does 
would that leave uh, ABG in a place where they're looking for a magazine publisher um, when there aren't tons of magazine publishers? And so it, it seems to me that, that it's going to look pretty similar. I think the magazine, the website, um, for at least a couple of years, but I, I, I'm just wondering what happens yeah. when Meredith is no longer you know, obligated to be in this. Um, what happens? You're not the only one wondering that. I can tell you that for a fact. Um, what's the, I mean, you're there. What, what's like, what's the SI mood? Well, you know, the SI mood is going to be, we've been up for sale for so long. I think it's been, it's been over a year. Um, we were supposed to be sold by last June, 2018. So, I think the staff, you know, I don't want to speak for the whole staff, but there is a sense of relief and happiness that this is over and we can move forward because we were stored, sort of stuck in quicksand for a while. Um, my producer, Brandon, is shaking his head yes, so I'm not the only one who feels that way. Um, and I, I, I'll, I'll just talk about me. I, I, all along, I wanted a media company to buy us because I thought – Having the infrastructure was important and, um, you know, having people who have done this was important. And then I realized, you know, there's a couple of downsides to that, though. If a media company buys you, they're going to come in and want to put in their own people, at least in some positions. And that means, you know, people lose their jobs, et cetera. So I, I was opposed to an individual buying us. I thought that would be not good for us in the long run. And then when the ABG thing came about, I thought, okay, well, this is interesting because one, uh, you know, it looks like right now everything is status quo, which is good. And with them not being a media company, they don't have their people that they want to put in place. So for us, that's good. And then I realized too, that if you are a magazine and I mean, SI is more than a magazine. We're digital. We, you know, we have SI.com and, you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of properties here. But if you are at the base, at the core, a magazine in 2019, I don't think it's really a revelation uh, to say that you need to get creative to stay in business or flourish in business. So I think this will be beneficial for SI in a big way because ABG is going to really do a lot to market the company and the brand and get it out there and, um, you know, get new audience, hopefully, and a younger audience. So I think if you ran a magazine the traditional way in 2019, that might be the, you know, nail in the coffin. The fact that it's not going to be done that way, I'm very interested to see how it, ha how it turns out because I think it, I think that you have to get creative and do something unique in this day and age if you're a magazine. Yeah, I guess the I, I think the photo archive probably has a ton of value. Yes, um, absolutely. Sort of the old covers. I yep. think that you could probably, you know, make some money off those that maybe Meredith or you know old SI wasn't totally equipped to do. I think there's definitely um, probably a lot of value there, in sort of figuring yeah. out how to monetize um, all those great images and all those great covers from over the years. I guess the one thing about Sports Illustrated, I think that you kind of, in a way, right, ESPN, the magazine, got rid of the print issue. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I think for Sports Illustrated, you need that print issue. Right. Um, because I think there's still cachet to being on the cover of SI. Absolutely. I think it still means something to the people that are on that cover. 
um, I guess I don't know what that means monetarily exactly, but I think sort of as a brand or sort of as a, as a media company to tell somebody that you're going to be on the cover of SI really means something. Um, so I think that I, you have to keep the magazine in a way that, yeah. um, you know, it, it was less of a big deal for ESPN, the magazine, to get rid of the print issue. Um, well, and I, I do it. wonder about the sort of the investigative chops, right? You guys have done some big stories. We, recently, there was mm. the, the Mavericks and the, the right. Panthers on the, the Me Too stories. And if you're sort of a branding operation and you're trying to partner with as many people as possible, um, sort of doing, doing, you know, feature stories, you know, fits that pretty well. Doing, you know, hard-hitting investigative journalism uh, perhaps becomes tougher. Yeah, I don't, from everything I've heard and seen and from hearing from the ABG people, I honestly, I don't see that as being a problem. I, I think if, um, you know, that Maverick story came about now, I think we'd still run it just the way we did. Uh, I, I don't see them um, sort of, listen, it's not like they have, a, they're involved in a ton of sports things. They're involved with Shaq. So, I mean, I don't know if Shaq gets arrested. Maybe we have a dicey situation there. But <laughs> other than that, I don't really, you know, I mean, they, they're not that heavily involved with sports property. So I think we're totally fine from that standpoint. And, and they, right. they know, like you said, you, you need the magazine to keep going for this to be successful. And I, and I'll say this when you, cause you talked about the brand still being strong and the cover having cachet. Um, I, I feel like I'm like telling secrets, but it's really not that big of a deal, but I will say this. Um, you know, I work for com. I don't really do anything for the magazine. So it's been the case with me, but I can tell you that, in reaching out to do interviews with athletes and sports figures, even to, to this day. I mean, I had a situation where this happened to me in the last couple of months. I'll pitch an interview and say, do you want to come on the podcast? Can I get this person on the podcast? Or if, they, you know, if they're not into like a 30-minute interview on the podcast, can I get them for 10 minutes on the phone, do an interview? And agents and PR people and, and even the athletes themselves – I can't tell you how many times they come back and say, can we get in the magazine too? Can we get something in the magazine? So, you know, yes, it's 2019 and it's a digital world, but the Sports Illustrated magazine, I, like you said, I still has a lot of cachet in the sports world. Yeah, I think the cachet is real. I guess I just don't, I don't know what that means like financially. Right. Well, yeah, and I don't you know. Like, I don't know, right? Yeah. Like I, I know that somebody wants to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I don't know like what that means you know, to Sports Illustrated, right. bottom line. But I, I think that, you know, the the value or the, the cachet is, is certainly there. Yeah. I'm not a business person, so I don't know what it means either. I just, you know, I'm I'm not, That's I'm so out of that world, but hopefully the people here and coming in will figure that out and we'll make a lot of more money and I'll get a raise. That's all I'm hoping for. <laughs> well, good luck. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly root for it um, and hope it goes well. I appreciate that. All right. Enough about SI. I'm having like a panic attack, making sure I don't say anything bad. Um, let's go to the other media giant. Well, there's more than one, but let's go to the biggest media giant, and that's ESPN. A um, couple of things coming out of Bristol that I thought were interesting this week. Um, well, let's start with this. It, it seems that, and I'm I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's me. I'd love to get your opinion on this. I don't know if ESPN is purposely pushing Stephen A. Smith more than ever. It looks like they are. Um, he's saying more ridiculous and 
things than ever and he's doing more performance art than ever. Um, is this an intentional thing by ESPN? Is this just happening naturally? But it does seem like the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The presence of Stephen A. Smith is, is growing and growing and bigger than ever over the last few months with his antics on ESPN. Yeah, he's probably the face of the network, wouldn't you say? I, I, no, I would not, actually. I would hope not. Who's the face of the network? I mean, do you have to have a face of the network? Is he not the biggest star at ESPN? Hmm. Well, I, are you just talking about, like, the hot take people? or are you talking? No, I'm talking about anybody. Hmm. Is he the biggest star at ESPN? I don't know. Um, I don't think there's any question with the amount of time that he's on TV, right. the oxygen that he gives. I mean, you can, you can have whatever opinion you want about Stephen A. Smith, but, but for what he does, he is brilliant at it. Um, and it's not necessarily sports opinion. You said it exactly. It's, uh, it's performance art. Right. Um, and he's incredible at it. And, and to not give him credit for, for being incredible at it, I think, you know, is a little um, short-sighted. But if you think about what he's so good at is he's done this incredible thing where he doesn't just cover the NBA anymore. He is part of the NBA. When he feuds with players, you know, he's not covering the latest beef. He is the beef. And so you're tuning in not to see what Stephen A. has to say about Kevin Durant. You're tuning in to see what he's saying to Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is listening. Um, and, it, like, that is, you, know, you can, you know, debate the journalistic ethics and sort of, you know, whatever. Uh, those are separate questions. But sort of the, the must-see element and the performance of it all is, is you know, it's, it's this really evolved creature in terms of, you know, the media landscape. See, we're, we're on total opposite ends of the spectrum on that. I, I, I look at it as a joke. I look at it as embarrassing. And it, I look at it as just strictly playing the game, get attention, get people to write about you, start fights with people. I, I, to me, it's not like a real thing. So I don't look at it sort of the same way. Um, and this week was, I mean, to me, this week was textbook case in point. That Magic Johnson stuff felt so planned out and so, um, just from, you know, ESPN releases the Baxter Holmes story, which was very good. And then it was, okay, let's get Stephen A on our network 24 seven to shit all over it. And then we have an internal feud and we can keep pumping that up and hyping that up. And to me, it feels like just it's a game. It's, you know, it's not authentic. Yeah, I don't when you say that it's a game, I don't disagree at all. I, I think it's just he's so good at the game. Right. Right. I'm not trying to you know say the game in general is good or bad or whatever. I'm right. saying this is the game and he plays it better than anybody else. So um, I do, you know, sort of, if you know, you think about it next level is, you know, beyond performance art or beyond, you know, sort of like, you know, how entertaining, you know, on a base level is this, the, the, the treatment of the, the Baxter home story was, I thought was, you know, super weird. Right. Um, especially the, the sports center special, um, that Wilbon and Smith did with, with magic. That was, I mean, it was, um, it was 
it was it was super super friendly to magic and i think it ended with you know is that good enough for you it's good enough for me it was it was um you know total um absolvement of of magic and it was i mean it was it was uh incongruous to see you know espn do that story and then espn treat that story uh that way yeah it it came across and this isn't a shocking revelation based on what you said earlier about him being the face of the network, but it, it, ESPN basically sacrificed one of their own to let Stephen A basically shine and have 24 hours of ranting and raving because they didn't give Baxter Holmes a chance to defend his reporting, defend his story. You know, Stephen A did the phony like, oh, Baxter Holmes, he did report it and he did it, you know, and then he got put, put magic on to basically say that Baxter Holmes's story was nonsense. It, 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 I thought it was an embarrassing low point for ESPN to do that to Baxter Holmes. Yeah, I think, um, I think that there was like a reasonable debate to be had, sort of. I think Bomani Jones said it um, at some point where, you know, there was a woman who didn't get the car for the draft pick and, you know, she got berated um, and told if it happened again, you know, she was going to get fired. And if you think about it, you stop and think about it for a second. Well, of course, if that's your job to get the car for the draft pick and you didn't do it, you should get fired, you right. know, if, if, well, if you can't deliver on that. Right. Um, so there, there's, I mean, there's like an interesting conversation to be had about sort of the substance of that report and, um, you know, what, you know, larger about the Lakers. But it was, it was um, sort of the softball way it was handled, like on that... Uh, on that Sports Center special right. was was sort of it was, it was particularly uh, noteworthy given you know the impressiveness of this investigative report by ESPN's own reporter. Exactly, and I, here it wasn't like Baxter Holmes had one source, one quote, one anecdote, one person giving a story. No, I mean like this is a feat <laughs> of journalism. Like right. you know, dozens of sources, months, maybe years in the making. I mean. Right. Um, you know, this was, this was legit. I wonder, you know, the NBA will be over soon. It's, it'll be curious to see now how Stephen A has to, sh- I, although I guess the NBA all season is just as wild and entertaining as the regular season. You're going to see where Durant goes and what happens with Kyle Leonard. So I guess there'll be plenty of room, plenty of opportunities for him to do his performance art. But it, it, when the NBA does end, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's got this, if the juice he has now continues, because it does seem like every single day he's going viral for something. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I I mean, I guess I don't want to sit here and be like the Stephen A. Smith stand, but like, (laughs) do you remember a couple of years ago when, you know, he spent all that time trashing Durant, um, you know, he shouldn't have gone to the Warriors, you know, it was a bad move. It was weak. It was, you know, it wasn't at the alpha move and he spends, you know, all, all this energy, all this time on first take, just trashing Durant. And then Durant wins the title. You know, he carries the Warriors. Uh, it's sort of this happy story. And you know who Stephen A. gets to come on first take? Durant's mom. Mm-hmm. And she comes on, and he sort of dramatically, you know, does this whole apology bit and says, you know, for you, uh, I'm sorry. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's good TV, yeah, I I, I, guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's good television. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. For me, it's not. But that's just me. It's just me. I guess I'm in the. I know I'm in the minority. I know I'm in the minority. 
Brett, I guess, like, I think that this is, right, this because is a problem, I, for me, it can't, you know, when it, when in it, politics, right, on CNN, like, when CNN treats, like, serious issues like this, then right. it's a problem. But, you know, where Kevin Durant is signing, that's, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to go on TV and shout about that, I'm okay with it. I guess the reason why I can't think it's good TV is because I don't think it's authentic. I think it's all plant, pre-planned, scripted, staged. I think there's producers coming up with bits. It doesn't feel real to me. I prefer real over the staged. Yeah, but you're a wrestling fan, right? How is that any different? But I'm not, I mean, I understand that that's fake. I'm not going into it thinking it's someone's trying. I know I'm being duped in that situation, whereas ESPN's trying to sell me on that this is real. The WWE's not telling me that it's real. They're telling me it's fake. There's a big difference. Fake, bl- fake blustery sports opinion is different than... Well, yeah, honest because, to God, but, but, righteous indignation in sports opinion. Because they're, uh, they're presenting. I don't know. That's a pretty thin line, no? No, because ESPN is presenting it as this is authentic, this is real. And it's not. It is WWE. That's exactly what it is. You bash the guy 24-7, then the guy comes on, then you make up. It's straight WWE. But the WWE isn't telling, you know, the ESP, the WWE is telling me this is all scripted nonsense. ESPN's trying to tell me they're doing journalism or something. Well, I don't think they're trying to tell you that first take is journalism. Please. I, well, whatever. Authentic, real, not contrived. And, and, you know, I yeah, I I guess when he's doing the performance and he's screaming and yelling and the inflections and the faces, I guess that's all part of the, you know, him being better at it than other people. But at the end of the day, I don't buy that it's a, you know, authentic belief. Plus, you really can't be as upset about the about sports as he gets about things. You you just can't. yeah. I mean that's why, like can't. that's why it's I, I get I, that's why it's entertaining. I mean it's huh. not right. It's 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 problematic for the world when this is what you know happens on CNN, but. In sports, well, that's awful. Also, I think it's okay. Yeah, no, it's okay. I, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's I, mean, I listen. It's all up to the viewer. I don't watch it. Plenty of people do, so good for them, and it works. And they shouldn't change a thing. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying I personally. But what were you? What like you? They shouldn't have Stephen A. on TV. Like they shouldn't have people shouting at each other. What's? Well, that would be. What's it, like the? Yeah, I'm not. I can't watch shows where there's two people screaming at each other about sports. I just can't. I just can't do it. It's because it's all nonsense. I mean, that's like what sports talk radio has been for years and years. Well, yeah, but the good one, like the people who I like, you know, I'm a big Chris Russo fan because that's all authentic. It's not staged nonsense, pre-planned. And whatever he says is completely real and authentic. Where he's not doing before the show saying, I'm going to say this and get in a fight with this guy and I'll do this. And then hopefully this guy reacts and ESPN can promo it 24-7 and. That's what I'm saying. But we don't have to agree. I like that we disagree. It's much better that we disagree. <laughs> um, I think I, I actually I think that the, the righteous indignation is pretty good. Whether right. it's whether it's all an act or it's not, I can't tell the difference. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or shoot that, shoot that. 
and even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Uh, Let's move on to something that is real. I wrote about this today uh, in my column on si.com slash abg slash Meredith. Um, and that is, I, and I'd love, your, I'd love for you to tell me if I'm crazy on this, because I feel like it's gone under the radar a little bit, and it's been a little quiet that this NBA Finals team, which kicks off this week, of Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, I, I don't know if enough people realize how long they've been doing this together. The numbers, when I went and looked them up, are pretty staggering. This is the 14th NBA Finals for Mike Breen, 11th for uh, for the three of them together because they had two years where uh, Mark Jackson was coaching the Warriors. Van Gundy's been with Breen for all of those 14 years except for one, the first year when Breen did it, he did it with Hubie Brown. You don't see broadcast teams stay together this long in in sports these days. No, I mean, I think I think they're pretty good. They do. Uh, I think Breen is um, is pretty smooth. I think um, I think Van Gundy is excellent. Yes. Um, and and Mark Jackson is okay. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's. It, I guess we we sort of talk about you know sort of people growing into, um, you know, the job. I think, you know, you and I have talked about you know Booger and Tess. You know, Monday Night Football sort of. You know, right. can you grow into the job? Ah. Uh, when you're in prime time already. And so there's really something to, you know, having been together, you build the camaraderie, you build, um, 
you know, your own uh, expertise on the sport, you know, in that moment. And you sort of, your booth by itself sort of commands, you know, a degree of gravitas on the event, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you get Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson calling the game, then, you know, they're at the point when you know that's a big game just because of who's calling it. Yeah. I, I, I was just shocked that there hasn't been more longevity from NBA broadcast crews and, and, and teams. Um, and and I think, listen, everyone, you know, it is opinion, but the general sense, you ask any single person who's ever watched the NBA, who's the greatest play-by-play person of all time, everyone says Marv. And maybe Breen flies under the radar a little bit because of that. And also Mike Breen is not – he was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, but Mike Breen is not a self-promoter. He's not shtick. Yes, he has the signature call with bang, but he's a re, he is the definition. He's the ultimate nuts and bolts play-by-play guy. There's not a lot of shtick and nonsense going on there. So maybe that's why he flies under the radar a little bit, but – I think it deserves a massive amount of credit for the, this this run that he's on calling the NBA Finals. Yeah, I think that's true. There's sort of there's no signature, right? You know, no one's ever going to get Mike Breen to sort of you know endorse you know shaving <laughs> cream or whatever. Right. He's uh, he he's he's sort of right. He's the opposite of you know the guy that you know non hardcore fans would recognize. You know, precisely because there is no you know, personality that goes with the caller. There is no, um, you know, catchphrase. So uh, I think that's absolutely right. And the, uh, and the ironic thing is, is he's hysterically funny. He used to be on the Dynamics show as a regular all the time here in New York on WFAN. And he does have that dry sense of humor and he's very funny. But when he does the games, he does the games. And him, I mean, he is funny with Van Gundy. They mix it up a little bit and there's always some nonsense going on there. But um, again, 14th straight NBA Finals. It's it's a it's a pretty impressive run there for Breen on ABC slash ESPN. Um, and speaking of Breen, it's interesting. There's a lot of speculation about Marv Albert and whether Turner will keep him as their lead play-by-play guy. What would you do? You think Turner should keep him as their lead play-by-play guy going forward, or do you think it's time for a change? I don't know. I thought Brian Curtis wrote a really good story. He did um, yes. about Albert, and I mean, like I grew up in Chicago mm-hmm. in the '90s. So I mean, Marv Albert. You know what a move by Michael Jordan was. You know, on every Sunday afternoon. So, uh, you know, I if if by in the same way that you know when Hawk Harrelson retired, you know, from the White Sox. I don't know if he was a great announcer, but sort of there's a comfort level with the sound and the cadence of that voice. You know, I think, you know, just on that level, you know, I would miss Marv Albert, um, you know, just because it is sort of nostalgic for me or it does harken back to uh, when the Bulls weren't a train wreck. Right. Yeah. He's, I think he's still got it. I, I don't think a change there needs to be made, but I'm biased. Um, last one before we wrap up. This is going to be a weird one, but I have to throw it out there. What did you make of, because I thought it was really bizarre, the coverage, media coverage, of Bill Buckner's passing? Because, I'll, th- I'll, I'll explain the question, um, it seemed like everyone wanted to get out that he shouldn't be defined by that one play, and then every conversation was about whether he should be defined <laughs> by that one play. 
Or like every yeah. story was like, Bill Buckner shouldn't be defined by this one play. Here's the one play. Right. And here's why. So uh, it was very strange because all these... Right. Who, was the, who was the straw man who was making the argument that Bill Buckner should be defined by this one play? Right. And listen, I understand that, you know, it's this Pollyanna politically correct world now. But if you ask any single person, what's the first thing that comes to your head when you hear the name Bill Buckner, you think of a ball going through his legs. It's not, I don't think it's, you know, denigrating the man to say that. It's just, you know, that's what people think of. And then, then he passes and every story has to be like, that's not what you should think about. Okay. Well, you know what? You can't like erase history. That's what people think about. Whether it's right or wrong, you know, and then it became all everyone no, was talking is, about it, as a play. I think it is actually funny that every single <laughs> column or every every single point that every single person wanted to make was don't remember Bill Buckner for this one play. Right. Um, there was there you know nobody I, nobody went out there and wrote you know here is the defining play and it should define buckner forever and i mean right like you know the guy lives his life i thought bobby valentine was interesting somebody i think came and had him on a, a podcast mm-hmm. and he is related to ralph branca right and knew um buckner um but both of those guys sort of like went on to live these lives that you know maybe sort of in the public sense they were defined by this one moment but they seem to um you know, get on with their lives in a way where at least to them, they weren't defined by this one moment, but it, it was sort of a race to who could step over whose head to say that Bill Buckner <laughs> was bigger than this one moment. It was, it was a little bit funny. Okay. I'm glad someone else thought that. Um, I did lie. I, I lied. I have one more topic. It was actually one of the main topics I wanted to get into. And then we went over to Stephen A and then this will be it after this. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to have Marshan on this week, he wrote an article about uh, ESPN President Jimmy Pitaro. Recently, I actually, as we're taping this, I got an email from uh, Recode, because I guess they have an interview now with Jimmy Pitaro, and Jimmy Pitaro continues to be on this big kick that ESPN ha- has gotten away from politics. They don't cover politics. They don't want to cover politics. They'll cover it if it need need be, but they're not in the politics game, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I got major issues with this. For a couple of reasons. One, you know, this was what was in Marshan's article, I, I, and I, I, I wish he could have done the pod, but there's sort of this framing that Jamel Hill replied to someone on Twitter and said that Donald Trump was a white supremacist, and that somehow equals ESPN covers politics. ESPN has never covered politics. ESPN is not breaking down primaries. They're not uh, evaluating debates. When Donald Trump calls NFL players son of a bitches, they cover it. When the national anthem becomes a thing, they cover it. So to sit here and say you don't cover politics when you never did is seems just such pandering to the MAGA crowd that it's embarrassing. Am I off on that take? I mean, well, clearly, well, I think, first of all, clearly, uh, the first thing is that whatever you want to say about ESPN and politics had no bearing at all on ESPN, the business, mm-hmm. right? And I think that this was something that kind of conflated for a while, right? Yep. This is a branding thing. Um, you know, ESPN business has been threatened by cord cutting and, you know, people aren't cutting 
you know, people aren't dropping ESPN in higher numbers and they're dropping Fox News. I think, right, the, the numbers are the same, whatever well, the rate is. you can't drop one so station. Not, you have like, to so, cancel. So the idea that this was ever a thing with ESPN's business model is wrong. It's right. a branding thing. Right. And so, you know, when they come out and they say, we don't cover politics, they think that this is an important branding decision that, um, you know, enough people out there thought that ESPN had become too liberal, then it was important, if nothing else, if absolutely nothing else, to tell them that ESPN is not too liberal, right? Right. But my point is, so I just saw before we, this morning actually, when I was surfing around the internet, on High Noon this week, uh, Bomani and Pablo did a segment on Richie Cognito getting signed by the Raiders, and they went through his history of just, you know, disgusting racist comments about the Asian Asian community and Asian people and all this stuff that came out. Guess what, Jimmy Pataro? That's covering politics. Is it not? Right. And if you turn on first take, you've got, you know, they had a segment not that long about about uh, Kate Smith and um, you oh, know, right. God Bless yes. America. Yes. And you know, Will Kane goes viral every once in a while for, you know, uh, right. impassioned take about white privilege. Right. Um, and so the idea that none of that is on the network anymore is, is <laughs> right. silly. I, uh, like, no, to, I agree with you on that. Yeah, like Jimmy Pataro saying, you know, we're, we don't, we're not in the game of politics. Is basically saying, MAGA, please like us, please watch us, please stop bashing us. That's what he's doing. Well, you, I mean... I, I wrote a story about Will Kane. Uh, I guess it was a while ago. It was when I first started the post, maybe like eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And I talked to Bob Lipsight, the former, uh, he was an ESPN ombudsman, right? right. Former yeah. Times sports columnist. And I think he said it's, it's not that different than, you know, any of the tech companies, um, you know, who don't want, it's not just whether they are, political or not or they, they they desperately don't want to be seen as right right leaning progressive and that's i mean you know for better or worse that's as important to them as you know whatever the underlying facts are yeah um i do think what happened to espn though right before jamel hill the big thing was caitlin jenner right they should right, have given right. caitlin jenner this achievement award and I, I don't remember what year it was it like 2013 or 2014 maybe um, and Skipper makes this decision to give this award to Caitlyn Jenner um, in an era when, you know, social politics seemed to be moving in one direction mm-hmm. and one direction only. And in the Trump era, I think that decision became more political than it had been even at the time. Yeah. I, so I, I think I, I think the some of the things that ESPN did sort of came around and became more political after the fact. Um, and they did have, I mean, they, there were people on social media who were tweeting about politics during the election in the heat of things. Um, and I do think, um, you know, regardless of what is on, you know, the ESPN linear TV screen, I think people equate um, the social media feeds of their biggest, most visible, you know, personalities mm-hmm. as, you know, what that network is. And I think there were more tweets and more p- political tweets, more about Trump and the election. There was definitely a rise in that. Um, and you did have people, um, you know, 
prominent uh, conservatives at ESPN. I think Linda Cohn said something. I think Bob Lee said something about how, you know, they felt that the balance inside uh, the network was off. So, I mean, you know, you can say, and I think you're right, that a lot of the critiques of ESPN were in bad faith. But you did have some, you know, respected people inside the network, um, you know, suggesting that they wanted more political balance also. Well, but again, that political imbalance was taking place on Twitter, not on ESPN's networks. There's a big difference, in my opinion, but... I I think you can say that, and it's like... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. No, no, you go. I... I think you you can make that argument. I just don't, in this day and age, I don't know if that's true. I think the social media feeds and the personas of your biggest stars of your network, you know, play a huge role in the perception of your network and the branding of your network. That's fair. That's fair. But but I can't can't sign off on people saying ESPN covered politics. It's just such an absurd statement to me. But... Yeah, I think the biggest thing that helped them was, right, obviously just current events right they're a lot different today than they were two years ago and and any idea that you know espn's coverage of politics that doesn't look at current events it sort of misses the the biggest favor that happened to espn or sort of the biggest you know what what went into um sort of this idea that we don't cover politics anymore i'll I'll just say this is the last thing you know jimmy pataro can say espn doesn't want to cover politics and and that's and i don't and I don't think they ever did, and I don't think they ever will. But I'll be very curious to see if he can control every ESPN employee a year from now when we are a couple of months out from an election. Good luck with that. Yeah, I don't know about the – even regardless of the election, I guess the, the test or sort of the interesting will ha- thing that would be – or sorry, the, the, what to watch or the interesting thing to watch is sort of – if we do get to a moment where there is this giant intersection of sports and politics again, sort right. of what happens. Right, exactly. If there is an anthemist, you know, big news story, or if, if, you know, there's something related to Colin Kaepernick or whatever, the next iteration of that would be sort of how they cover it. That, exactly. I think, is, is sort of the really interesting thing to watch. Absolutely. I look forward to that happening. I hope it does. Um, all right. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And dealing with the technical difficulties and, and uh, I enjoyed the conversation and I, I like that we disagree on Stephen A. That's good. We can keep, I can, next time you're on, we can argue about it again. My check from uh, his agent is in the mail. Yeah. I'll enjoy it. I'm sure, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure your performance was staged just like first take. Uh, take it easy, Ben. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Okay. I'll talk to you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, many thanks to Ben Strauss, media reporter for the Washington Post, to come on and discuss the sports media news of the week. Make sure you go into those archives when you're done listening to Ben. We've got Chris Long last week, newly retired. A lot of Game of Thrones talk, if you guys are still hung up on that finale. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Chad Finn and Brian Curtis from The Ringer. Brian Curtis of The Ringer wrote a great story about Howard Stern's popularity with sports broadcasts. So if you're a Stern fan and haven't heard that podcast, check it out. Mike Breen calling the NBA Finals. He was on three weeks ago. So go into the archives, subscribe, download, rate, review. I will be eternally grateful. That wraps up this edition of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. We'll see you next week. Take care. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.